Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn about upcoming events, our online store, how to donate, the podcast, daily devotionals, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, answering questions about marriage. a commentator on scripture says that the pneumatics of Paul's time, the hyper-spiritualists who believe that they were now in the resurrection state like the angels, so they should not be married anymore or they should remain celibate. He contends that they were ignoring the words of Jesus and saying that the Holy Spirit had told them to be single and celibate even though Jesus had given a different command, they believed they were hearing from the Spirit despite what the Word of God says. Okay, now all of us might say, wow, that's ridiculous until we realize that that's being done in our day. When we hear someone say, oh, God told me that I should get a divorce. Or God told me that I should be with this other person. And we go to a Bible verse with that person and we say, wait a minute, this is what the Bible says. Oh, but I heard from God and he said this is what I should do. And this is okay in my case. <laughs> and all God's people say, what? <laughs> say, what? See, this is what we can do. We can, we can somehow spiritualize that we're the exception to the rule. I've got news for you. You ain't. And neither am I. And we can justify things however we want to justify them. People were doing it in Paul's day. And Paul doesn't even mention that Jesus said you could divorce if there was adultery. He just says, look, I'm saying to you, don't think that you can wiggle out by saying that you've heard the voice of the Spirit when you're contradicting the clear uh, testimony of Scripture. Maybe someone might say, I don't like being married. Someone might say, I married the wrong person. Someone might say, if I weren't married to him or her, I could do this or that for the Lord. And Paul says, no, you can't do that. In one sense, we've all married the wrong person. Remember last week? <laughs> if we think that that person is going to complete us, quotes, or solve all of our problems, there's no perfect person you're going to marry. What God calls us to do is to ground our marriage in the foundation of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit then we can be what we need to be for one another. And so they were saying, well, celibacy is the proper lifestyle. And Paul's saying, no, if you're married, stay committed to your spouse. A study from the early 90s showed that the top reason for divorce was people saying we're growing apart. The number two reason was not feeling loved or appreciated by one's spouse. We can all understand that. We can all understand how we've been let down and hurt or we've maybe let others down. But if we have an other-centered, sacrificial, I owe you, I'm going to put your needs above my own, and it goes in both directions, it's a beautiful marriage. A woman was suffering from depression, so her concerned husband took her to a psychiatrist. The doctor listened to the couple talk about their relationship. Then he said, the treatment that I prescribe for you is really quite simple. With that, he went over to the man's wife, gathered her up in his arms, did the doctor, and gave her a big kiss. He then stepped back and looked at the woman's glowing face and broad smile. Turning to the woman's husband, he said, See, that's all she needs is you to put that back in your life with her. Hug her and kiss her. 
expressionless, the husband said, okay, doc, I can bring her here on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I was hearing someone talk about marriage and they were saying that one of the things that can keep romance flowing in your marriage is a intimate long kiss every day. And they were saying something like 15 to 20 seconds. Amen. All right? <laughs> Woo! That was Paul in the front row. <laughs> Paul's taking sign-ups for the Valentine's dinner. <laughs> now, I will say this. There's, some, there's a little bit of exception with Paul because if you get close to Paul, he will give you a holy kiss. And then <laughs> you have to talk about the Super Bowl after that. But anyway, never mind. But they're saying... There, there's something that gets released, some chemicals that get released in our brain, e even through a long kiss that doesn't necessarily lead to sexual intimacy in your marriage. And we can even get away from that. We can get away from long uh, kisses that way. And uh, maybe that's something that you've lost in your marriage. Now maybe it's just a peck. How you doing, honey? Well, we could do better than that. <laughs> Oh, Lord, help me. I don't, I don't even know what... <laughs> no. <laughs> My wife's right here, so i got to really be... <laughs> that is one thing that she does tell me, gentlemen. Is, see, I like to have the little shadow there, and she oh, it's spiky, and, you know. <laughs> Let it grow. All right, I'm with you. Boy, we digress here. I... So, here's the thing. If you need romance to be turned up a notch in your marriage, you could make that happen. How about a date night? How, how about a, a romantic restaurant? How about something to just revisit that area of your life if it's been suffering? If it's been suffering. Years ago, Brenda and I were at a party and we were sitting on a couch together. We were married. It's okay. And uh, we, we kissed in front of these people, okay? And it was kind of a long kiss. And the, the husband who had been married for, to his wife for a long time, we were newly married, said, look, honey, they still kiss that way. Isn't that amazing? And sometimes we can get that way with our marriages. We can take our spouse for granted. Look, we, we need to keep the romance uh, alive. And that's a good thing. Some of you may need to be reconciled in that sense. Notice uh, in verse 11, Paul says, look, if something has happened, he says, if, if this has happened, then remain 7-11 of 1 Corinthians unmarried or else be reconciled. And some of you are still married, but you need to be reconciled in some areas. And look, the gospel is a message of reconciliation, Right? It's, it's us telling people, be reconciled to God. Because God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. How, pray tell, can we declare a message of reconciliation to a lost and dying world if we cannot even be reconciled to our spouse? If we're letting little petty things or even big things now divide us and the enemy's got a foothold in there and he's muddied the message that our marriages are supposed to convey. Boy, we need the grace of God. 
And finally, the last section is to the rest, which is going to address those of you who are married to unbelievers. This is verses 12 through 16. Now, to the rest I say, not the Lord. Let me pause here to say to you that this does not mean that what Paul's about to say is his opinion or uninspired scripture. He's just saying the Lord did not give direct teaching in this case. So he's saying this is an apostolic command from me. This is still scripture, authoritative, God-breathed scripture. The point is, is that the Lord Jesus didn't teach on this, so I can't take you to a passage that he addressed this. Everybody with me? It's still scripture. That if any brother has a wife, 12, who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, the unbeliever does, let him, the husband, not send her away. So some people said, I've become a Christian. I'm in the city of Corinth. I'm a Christian now. My spouse is not, so maybe I should send my spouse away because they're not a Christian. We're unequally yoked now, right? Paul says, wrong. If you, one of you became a Christian, at, let's say you're both unbelievers, one of you got saved, the other one remains a non-Christian, or you thought you married a Christian, but now by all evidences that person is not showing that they are a believer, Paul says that's not a reason to divorce. If your spouse wants to stay in the marriage, then don't send them away. And if a woman, and a woman who has an, an unbelieving husband, and he consents to live with her, let her not send her husband away. Stay in the marriage, even if you're married to an unbeliever. Full apostolic authority from the Apostle Paul. Side note. Paul does not think he was at liberty to create a command of Jesus, says Moffat. He points out that Paul's careful discrimination between a saying of the Lord and his own injunction tells us strongly against those who maintain that the early church was in the habit of producing a saying it needed and then ascribing that saying to Christ. He says it is historically of high importance that he, Paul, did not feel at liberty to create a saying of Jesus even when, as here, it would have been highly convenient in order to settle a disputed point of Christian behavior. Everybody with me? Some of the skeptics of the Bible say, oh, they just made up Scripture to address different situations and they would ascribe it to the Lord. The Lord Jesus said this. No, Paul doesn't do that. Paul says, the Lord didn't teach on this, but I'm giving you the truth from the Lord on this. And then he says, the unbelieving husband, 14, is sanctified through his believing wife. The unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children are unclean, but now they are holy. And some of you are saying, what in the world is Paul talking about? Well, there were those in Corinth that believed that if you were married to an unbeliever, that made you unclean. So you, you get saved, and let's say they're still a pagan. Maybe they're going to the pagan temple or they worship a false god or goddess. And you're in a covenant marriage with them where the two become one in the covenant. And someone might say, if I am intimate with my spouse or just by the nature of our covenant, am I unclean because they're not a Christian? And Paul says, no, you're not unclean because you're married to an unbeliever. In fact, just the opposite. The unbeliever is actually sanctified by you. In what sense? Well, it doesn't mean that the unbeliever is saved just because you're saved. Because later, Paul will say, who knows whether you will save your spouse. So that's not it. 
People are not saved by osmosis. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, we want to say thank you so much to the new financial partners for joining us in our mission to broadcast on more radio stations and to do more free apologetic teaching events. Our need of $3,000 a month for next year is now down to $2,660, thanks to eight new monthly commitments. We've had some one-time donors too, and we're really grateful because that helped out our overall budget. I want to make it clear that we're not saying help us or we'll disappear from the radio station. The Lord and our existing partners have made it possible to be on this awesome station. Hello, my name is Terry, and I'm from Corona, California. I am a Walk in Truth partner because I believe it's very important for the world to hear the Word of God because it's saving, it changes our lives, and it's the only hope we have in Jesus. We're asking for a new partnership with you. If we can now get 89 more listeners to commit to giving at least $30 a month, we can reach our goal and join more radio stations and do more events to reach the community. And did we mention that some of those stations are secular ones? We want to reach people that might not have even heard the gospel before. So please commit what you can. Please click the donate button on walkintruth.com. Our goal is still to reach $2,660 a month before the end of the year so we can get rolling on our plans. So please visit walkintruth.com and click donate. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. The unbeliever is actually sanctified by you. In what sense? Well, it doesn't mean that the unbeliever is saved just because you're saved. Because later, Paul will say, who knows whether you will save your spouse. So that's not it. People are not saved by osmosis. People are not saved just because a relative is a Christian who lives in the next room or even in the same room. That's not how salvation works. But in some way, that unbelieving spouse married to a believing uh, spouse is sanctified. Sanctified means set apart or even made holy. So what is Paul saying? How could that person be made holy? Well, it's not salvation because the other person still needs to be saved. They're categorized as an unbeliever. So what does it mean? Just quickly, some major views. Some believe that sanctified means just set apart for God's purposes. That somehow being married to a believer affords that person the blessings that come to a believer. For example, Joseph in Genesis 39 and 41. Unbelievers around him recognized God's blessing was on Joseph. And Joseph's being blessed by God somehow spilled over to pagan uh, masters and uh, those overseeing the prison. You work for a Christian company, your boss may see the hand of God on you. His business may be blessed simply because you work there and the blessings of God are in your life. Everybody with me? So that may be what Paul is saying. Others hold that the pagan is set apart to receive a special Christian witness and influence. He's set apart, that is, in the sense that every day he gets to see the witness of the Holy Spirit living in that life of the believer. The unbelieving, uh, number three, the unbeliever willing to continue in the marriage with the believer is made part, says some scholars, of a covenantal status of the believer. Since the two become one in marriage, their union somehow brings that unbeliever into a special category where the Lord might bless them and uh, uh, you know, give them an extra look at the gospel. And let me just read this because I think it'll help. This is not some magical process or transference of holiness. 
The idea, says one author, hinges on the two becoming one flesh and God's blessing of marriage. Paul is not arguing for sanctification by proxy, but making an argument against divorce. His basic argument is that mixed marriages, believer-unbeliever, have the same status as Christian marriages and should not be abandoned. There's still a covenant before God. The assumption behind Paul's case here must be that the Corinthians also would have thought it absurd to consider their children, the children of these mixed unions, to be unholy or polluted. You, you are married to an unbeliever. Uh, the wife gets pregnant. A child is born. Is that child unholy because there's an unbeliever in the covenant? No, says Paul. And if your children aren't unholy, then neither are you unholy because you're married to an unbeliever. In fact, the opposite. The unbeliever gets a close-up look at the grace of God in your life. Amen? Oh, that was a little bit weak, but there you go. I hope you understood it. Yet if the unbelieving one leaves, wants a divorce, Paul says, let him leave. The brother or the sister, Christian, is not under bondage in such cases. God has called us to peace. If the unbelieving spouse demands a divorce, says you become a Christian, that's not what I want, this is not what I signed up for, for then the believing spouse is free. Free in what sense? I would argue free to remarry. Take a look at verse 39 of the same chapter. 39. A wife is bound as long as her husband lives, but if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, note it, Bible students, only in the Lord. Why did Paul say that? Because oftentimes people who want companionship marry an unbeliever because they're desperate to be with somebody. Paul says, look, if your spouse, unbelieving spouse, left you, wants her to divorce, if your spouse died, if your spouse committed adultery, there's three reasons I can see in Scripture for remarriage. One, there was adultery in the marriage. It doesn't mean that you have to get divorced, but there would be grounds for divorce and remarriage. Number two, unbelieving spouse leaves a believing spouse. You're now free. You're not under bondage there. Number three reason for remarriage is your spouse has died. Romans 7, you can look at verses 2 and 3. In these three cases, my understanding of the Bible, remarriage is permissible. But remember, we have to say that there's many layers to many situations. And certainly, if you've done this the wrong way, it's not the unforgivable sin, but it is something that we need to see God's heart on. And then finally, for how do you know, O wife 16, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? In Esther 4, when Mordecai was trying to encourage Esther to go to the king and try to save the Jewish people, Mordecai said these famous words, Who knows? Maybe you've come to royalty for such a time as this. Who knows? And if you say it in a Jewish way, who knows? Now, if you're Esther... And cousin Mordecai, your adoptive father, says, who knows? You might say, can you do a little better than that? What do you mean, who knows? <laughs> like, how about, I'm certain. Uh, this is going to work out great. I know he's going to hold the golden scepter out. You're not going to die. What do you mean, who knows? But life is filled sometimes with who knows. We don't know the answer to every question. 
But maybe, just maybe, if you stay with your spouse and you are a regular witness to them, and I'm not talking about putting Bible, gospel tracts in between the cheese and bologna in their sandwich for lunch, <laughs> but I'm talking about a witness before them, even without saying a word, 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2. God's called us to peace. Who knows? You may win your spouse. You may win them to the gospel. And Paul says, I become all things to all men that by means of this, I may win or save some of them. You see, this means that marriage has to be seen that it's not just about you. It could be that God has allowed this to happen so that your spouse becomes a Christian. Which means that you're going to have to lay down some of your rights, some of your hopes and dreams, Maybe what you've always desired to have a, a Christian spouse to pray with you and go to church with you. Maybe God's saying, look, that's not where you are. So I'm going to give you the grace that you need because it may be that your spouse is going to become a Christian because you're in their life. This takes a, a different look at uh, marriage, but it is God's heart that we might win the lost. Of course, we need forgiveness in all these areas. Because marriage can be hard, and there's a lot of complicated situations, but the Bible does address them. And this is what I would ask you. Are you willing to do life God's way? I believe that God will give you the power that you need if you're not in the best situation. And if you have you know, found yourself on the other side of something that maybe you would say, you know, what I just read, maybe I'm not in a scriptural situation then God's grace is there for you as well. And you can start again right where you are. And if you need help with that, we would be happy to talk to anybody if you're in a difficult spot. We are not here to condemn anybody. We are not here to beat you up from this pulpit. But we are here to see what God says and then ask Him to give us the grace to live it out. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and this was the conclusion of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, answering questions about marriage. Visit our online store to get DVDs, CDs, and books which will help equip you with the information you need to explain and defend your faith. Also, to learn about other religions or cults. If you'd like to learn about the origins of Christmas, how December 25th became the holiday when Jesus was born in another month, Get the DVD on walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, as we've been talking about the subject of marriage, you may have more questions than we've been able to answer in these messages. And hey, that's okay. And it's good to ask questions. Uh, I wouldn't really leave too many questions unanswered, any questions unanswered before you say I do. I think as many questions as you can get answered now, you won't have to get answered later, and you won't be uh, in a situation where you wish you would have asked the question. So if you do have questions, you can always uh, fire those our way. We'd be happy to answer those on the air for you about marriage or any other biblical subject when you reach out to us at walkintruth.com. The bottom line with marriage is marriage works when you have God's heart toward your spouse. You know, hardness of heart is what Jesus said is the reason for divorce, so a soft heart is the key to a good marriage. And it's the Lord softening your heart, allowing us by his power to produce agape love toward one another. 
Uh, there's nothing more beautiful and more satisfying than that. And when both of you are doing it, husband and wife, well, you're going to have a beautiful marriage. And that's the good news about this. these questions about marriage. Hey, if you need prayer, if uh, you're going through something tough with your marriage right now and you need prayer, you can also reach out to us through the website at walkintruth.com. Well, I'd like to take a quick moment to thank Adrian from Woodland Hills and Andres from San Diego for each giving a very generous financial gift of $200 to Walk in Truth. Hey guys, if you're listening, we're very grateful and you have helped us to move closer to our goal. Now we only need really 85 more people and I'll tell you why, because we had another gracious gift come in yesterday uh, to the ministry and that was a gracious gift of $1,000 from a local uh, sweet sister in Christ and she knows who she is and we're so grateful for that. And that's put us down to now just needing 85 people to give $30 a month to reach our goal to get on multiple radio stations, some music, some secular. And uh, if you want to be part of that solution and you can give a one-time annual gift, so maybe instead of giving $30 a month for 12 months, you just give a one-time $360 gift. That would be awesome. And that would help us toward our goal. You can do that today when you click on the donate button at walkintruth.com. That's donate at walkintruth.com. And we want to say in advance, thank you for giving. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for partnering with us. We appreciate it. God bless you. Come back tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 about being called by God and remaining true to that calling. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. As always, our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.